Welcome to Show Me Something Wrong. Where each episode, one of us chooses a movie to watch that the other hasn't seen. The movie is often obscure, usually odd, and always wrong. I'm Dave. And I'm Guy. And today I've chosen the movie, and it's... Should I do the Japanese title? I oh, guess yeah. So. Cho Akunin. Uh-huh. Also known as Villain. Uh-huh. Also known as Hypervillain. Uh-huh. From 2011, directed by... Koji Shiraishi. I feel like already this is going to be a long episode. For such a simple film, I feel like there's going to be a lot to cover. Uh, A little bit, a little bit. I don't have a huge amount of, um, you know, behind the scenes information on this, but I do have a bit to talk about Mm, for this But just the director himself, he's quite an interesting fellow. Oh, yeah. And I've got to say, this has been... The most fun episode to prep for oh, yeah. ever for me. I've had a fucking great time. Oh, like, good. Yeah. I, oh, man. Like, the last two weeks have just been so enjoyable for me. <laughs> for such a horrible movie. Yeah, for such a... You've had a great time. Terrific movie. So, before we get into the film, I just wanted to talk about how we ended up doing this film. Mm-hmm. So, when we did the anniversary mini, the Mouge Bouge. Yes. Remember that one? A while back. Yes. The, we did the one year anniversary and we asked the listeners oh. to send in suggestions. Yes. And we got a suggestion from listener Jake. 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 And yeah, he recommended this film. Okay. Not only did he recommend this film, Jake also is the one that made the subtitles for this, oh. the English subtitles. So I wanted to give his subtitle service mm-hmm. a little plug. So he runs Jinji Minami Subs. He's got a Patreon as well. Oh, okay. So definitely check that out. How do you spell Jinji? J-I-N-G-I. Right. Uh, Minami Subs. Okay. Yeah. And Patreon, if you search for it on there, you mm-hmm. can find him there. So it's patreon.com slash Jinji Minami Subs. Check him out because he did a bang up job wow. on this. He also gave me a whole lot of background information about the movie, which was great. And I also wanted to give a thanks to our mate Alex, mm-hmm. uh, who also kind of helped me fill in my Koji Shiraishi gaps. Oh, okay. My, my, uh, yeah, my film knowledge gaps of, of, of him. Good old Alex. And also, this is going to be a hard one to say, Björk Shandy. Oh, oh, a letterbox person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, just to spelt like Björk, the singer, Shandy. Okay. Also helped me with some of the the research on this as well. I did a lot. Did a lot. Gathered ourselves quite a little community, haven't we? Got a little crew helping us out (laughs) on this one. All right, so let's bang on right into (laughs) bang on right into Goji Shiraishi. That's a weird way to say this. So he is. Obviously, 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 probably to the listeners of this, best known for his fake documentary films. And before we get into his work, Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be fun to talk about that genre, because I feel that's a genre that we both love. Oh, yeah. Like Japanese fake documentaries, Mm. horror documentaries Mm. specifically. So I wanted to ask you about, uh, are there any in particular that, that jump out for you 
as inc- like especially great ones. Yes, and it's one that we've spoken about before on the it's podcast. It's probably the same one I want to talk is, about. Uh, which is the one I can never remember the name of. Um, I'm going to guess it's Psychic Vision yes, Jigun Ray from yes, 1988. Yeah. That's, that, that was one that completely caught me off guard because mm. I didn't know anything about it. I just stumbled across it. On, I think it may have even been on YouTube or something. Right. I was like, oh, what's this? And I just watched it without knowing a single thing about it and it absolutely floored me so that was mm. a real nice surprise um and then of course um noroi mm. uh, which i'm sure you will get into because Definitely. that seems to be the poster boy of found footage fake yes. documentary movies from japan definitely right? definitely which is by of course mm. shiraisi and we'll we'll definitely talk about that that soon as well but yeah the, i just there's something even the shit ones, I just love mm. the the way Japan Japanese films do like fake documentary. Mm. There's something like the shitty titles, the kind of tacky music, <laughs> yeah. the free like the the freeze frames and zoom ins oh, on yeah. grainy footage. Like even at its worst, it's still really fun to watch. And Japan fucking churns them out as yeah. well. They're insane. The amount yeah. of that of crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fake documentary found footage films like people like go on about the the paranormal activity Mm. films they're like oh they're up to fucking whatever now i wish they'd give it a rest but the volume that japan puts these out in is insane i'm i'm gonna talk about something that shiraishi was involved in that's gonna blow your mind in terms of the volume as well (laughs) like how many there are all right, so let's let's get into Koji Shiraishi himself. Mm. So he was born in Fukuoka. Okay, I've never been to Fukuoka. Have you been there? Um, Always wanted to go. No, I've not actually. Yeah, I've heard I've the heard ramen it. is good. Yeah, that's the kind of the first thing you hear about it, right? Yeah, but I hear it's it's an amazing place. I'd really like to go. Um, and yeah, in high school, he made some films, shot on video. He went on to go to art school, where he had the intention of becoming a filmmaker. But he ended up getting expelled okay. from university, not for being a bad boy, but he just couldn't afford to pay his tuition. Oh. So he got booted out. But he continued to participate in like films that were being shot and other you know film studies, societies, stuff like that. And yeah, over the years, he's he built his way up, worked on some well-known productions. The probably the two most notable ones so he worked on one of my favorite films mm. japanese films of all time water boys oh yeah from 2001 <laughs> which i only watched for the first time recently right have you seen that yes. film fuck it's good it's Brilliant. so fucking funny not the kind of film we'd ever cover on this podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a feel-good shot summer movie but great movie he shot the behind the scenes making of for it oh right yeah yeah so I don't know if you saw it on my table. I had uh, the, no, I didn't. I had the Blu-ray sitting there. It arrived today. I'm like, oh, I can, before the episode, mm. I can watch the making of. Mm. It's not on the fucking Blu-ray. It's what? on the DVD, but not the fucking Wait, Blu-ray. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Isn't that That's a bullshit? Oh, that pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I've heard um, these stories. I mean, it's probably, it's probably not just limited Japan, but where they've got like um, already made director to come in mm. and shoot the making of, of for another movie. Yeah, that reminds me of... Um, there's a Sukumoto film that mm. Mike shot the making of. Right. Of, I can't remember what, what it is, but yeah, like that mm. that is a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I've not actually looked that much into it, but I'm quite sure... That Shosen Fukui made the making of for that movie Go by Isao Yukisara. I think it's a drug film. 
I've not watched it myself. And I read somewhere that Fukui Shoujin did the making of for this. Really? But I've not seen the film itself, let alone the making <laughs> yeah. of, so I've not really looked too much into it. One that I watched recently, um, do you know Kurosawa's film Dreams? Not seen it. So that film that he made, Dreams, uh, Obayashi mm. made the making of. Right. And it's a really good making of, and it's fucking trippy to watch, man, because that Kurosawa film, it features Martin Scorsese uh, right. playing Vincent van Gogh. So it's right. got Scorsese, it's Obayashi mm. filming Kurosawa, directing Martin Scorsese, and occasionally George Lucas shows up and he's like, oh, what, what are you guys uh, filming here? What's going on? <laughs> Because he produced it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, yeah, it's it's a really... It's a bit of a mindfuck of a... Yeah. Crew, isn't it? But I really recommend that as a double bill. Dreams, Kurosawa's Dreams, and then follow it up with the uh, the documentary. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's really good. So he worked on Waterboys, and maybe more importantly, mm. he worked on someone who always comes up on this pod, Sogo Ishii's oh, yeah. August in the Water mm. from 1995. He was a production supervisor on, on that. Mm. And this is important because Sogo Ishii, or what, wait, what's his name these days? I can never Gakuryu. remember. Gakuryu. Okay. Gakuryu Ishii. Yeah, he changed, changed his name for Why some don't you reason. Do that? That's a I, silly he, thing to I'm do, sorry, he's it? Sogo Ishii to me. Yeah, he's Sogo Ishii to everyone, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is important that he worked on this film because Ishii uh, is his biggest filmmaking hero. Right. So yeah, he, he always comes up on this podcast, mm. doesn't he? There's a lot of connections there. I, I mean, Ishishogo or Gakuryu, he's he's like, you know, he is pretty much the, the king of punk cinema in Japan, mm. at least, you know, um, one who's made a substantial name for himself and he's very well connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it makes sense that he does come up and he is connected with a lot of other like punk directors or people mm. involved in kind of indies or underground kind of fucked up stuff that we would normally cover on this yeah. podcast i just feel like every time we do any japanese film mm. he always comes up like there's some connection yeah it's like the kevin bacon thing you know the eight oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> eight degrees of sogo ishii so during this time he was working as a crew member mm. on these other films he started to make his own independent films right one of his early films i've not watch the whole thing, just bits and pieces. It's called Bo Ryoku Ningen. Right. Violence Men is the oh. the uh, seems to be what it's been translated to. Mm-hmm. So that's a film from nineteen ninety seven. Right. Co directed by Akihiro Kasai. And this was inspired by Man Bites Dog. Mm. And Already, he's doing the fake documentary thing. Even right. this early on, with the first, the first sort mm. of thing that he's he's made. But yeah, so he he makes a bunch of independent stuff, and then as the two thousands kick in, he starts to become a big old horror boy making horror films. Mm-hmm. So he he starts making a lot of found footage, fake documentary videos, and one series that he gets involved with is Honto ni Ata mm. Norio no Video. Right, do you, do right. you know that? So I know there's like the Hontoni atta kwai hanashi, but it but it's like oh, a, a take on that or your spin-off yeah. or something like so that. So that's what I was yeah. saying, how Japan churns out all of these and they yes. all have a very similar ring to them. It's yeah. like Hontoni uh, so it's like the real yeah. cursed videos or the real real life scary stories. Mm. Yeah. So he did one of these series. He did a bunch of films right. from that series. 
And I, I think even, I could be wrong, but I think the company that put out Katsik Blues right. in Japan, I think they've released all of those. Oh, you know, I love those. Oh, man. <laughs> they're so shit and cheap, but they're awesome. When, when I visited their offices, they yeah. had, I think it was, it was that series, they had all those DVDs mm. there. And I kept going, oh, these look good. Yeah. These look good. Like, trying to be like, can I have these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they didn't give me any, unfortunately. But yeah. But there is a fucking endless supply of this series. Mm. There are literally hundreds of these, yeah. of this series. So I was looking at it, it's been going for years, right? And the last volume is volume 100 from this year. And apparently they, I, I didn't know this, I thought they just came out on video for the most part. Mm. But they actually aired on cable TV. Right. Um, and yes, some of them came out just on DVD and some of them even came out in cinemas. Wow. So this series basically follows investigation teams mm. Who go on a search to uncover the truth behind, you know, cursed videos, ghost love videos. It. Love it. So good. And it's normally in some like abandoned building or in a <laughs> shrine or something. And, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. always some there's so many like things that pop up in every episode. Mm. So that that sort of video, that kind of informs where his career goes. Right. And that's basically becomes what he he's best known for. Mm-hmm. But a kind of much better version of that as we see a bit later. So in the 2000s still, he made his first kind of proper feature, just directing it himself. And that is a film you've definitely seen, because I was like, you got to fucking see this film. Jurey, the uncanny. <laughs> Remember Jurey? Yes. It was, I think, I just love that film. I watched it at j- the exact right with the right. exact right frame of mind, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I just wanted a shitty J-horror. Yes, yes, And that's yes. exactly what it is. I think, yeah, you were like, you've got to watch this, watch this, watch this. And you sent it to me and I watched it. Um, I don't remember it. Oh, neither do I. But <laughs> I, I, literally, I just looked it up on Letterboxd. I, I logged it. I gave it three stars. I'm looking it's at not the, bad. I'm looking at the poster. I don't remember anything. But, <laughs> but I watched it. The, the main thing I remember is that it opens with um, girls doing a dance routine in front of the uh, the windows of a shop, right. which is just the most Japanese thing you mm. could ever see. But yeah, it's it's a kind of post Juon ghost film. Brilliant. Very cheap. Love it. Great stuff. And yeah, basically from this point on, mm. he just fucking belts out movies. Mm. He is just regurgitating films just endless. Like, his work ethic is yeah. unbelievable. He he makes so many films. But yeah, of course, he's he's best known for this fake documentary style. So I mean, you mentioned it before, mm. Noroi, mm. which is from 2005. Mm. That's kind of... That's early in his career, but that film is basically, Peak. as you said, mm. the poster boy for mm. this kind of fake documentary yeah. film and it's a fucking masterpiece it that is. film it <laughs> it's is. a truly mm. fucking great film am i wrong did he also do occult yeah and i wanted to talk about that too oh, so, okay great right so that's his other very famous that's another one that's really highly regarded yeah. which i've not seen <gasps> oh my god so in preparation for this mm-hmm. episode i had watched quite a lot of his stuff but there were some gaps in mm. what i'd seen so, Occult was the first thing that I watched a couple of weeks back. And fucking hell, it is one of the most, like, staggering film oh, viewing experiences I think I've ever had. Oh, you got a really hyped up right uh, now. <laughs> I'm actually, but I'm actually not sure if you'll like it. Okay. Because 
it's not always amazing. Yeah. Like, it's really disturbing, really got under my skin, scared the mm. fuck out of me. Great film. Occult is on another level. It's fucking crazy. It's a crazy <laughs> right. fucking film. And it's so unpredictable. It starts out more like Noroi, like a, mm. you know, this there's this weird tragedy and, you know, they're trying to investigate it. But then the path that it goes down mm-hmm. is so fucking dark. And it actually stars the main guy from this movie that we're talking about today. Oh, brilliant. And he is... Fuck, man, he is an incredible actor. And he is so disturbing in this film. But He was very believable in the one we watched, yeah, what we're talking about today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I don't want to ruin anything from Occult, but mm. there's a certain point where the film changes mm. and becomes a much crazier film. And I was like... Like, my fucking jaw was on the floor, like, watching it. <laughs> And then the final kind of scene does something that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen okay. ever in a movie. And I had to, when I, when the film finished, I sat there and I'm like, did I hate this film or did I love it? Right. And I had to like process it for yeah. a good solid 10 minutes. <laughs> right. And then I'm like, no, I loved it. I okay. loved it. So I, I, I don't I'm know. I'm, to watch I'm that fascinated exactly. to see what you mm. think of it. So yeah, that that one's from 2009, a, a little bit after Noroi. But they're the two best mm. known. But uh, as you said, like he just he's belting out all of these like found footage documentaries, which it's a it's a thing you can only do when shooting these kinds of films, like mm. unless you're fucking Takashi Miike or something. But yeah, these kind of found footage films they don't require any sort of you know quality in terms of like you well, know the, yeah the, the, like a, the yeah lighting or anything or, measles sure, or whatever. it's all yeah. just like hey have a camera hold this camera mm. something's gonna jump out of you and as long as you can like build the tension build the scene get some spooky shit in you, you're able to churn them out pretty fast but i think what's special about him is that for not not is just beautifully made mm. like he goes out of his way to like when they have like the older looking footage he mm. makes sure it actually looks like properly old footage and then a cult is yeah, it's a fake documentary, but the quality of performances in it and the quality of the writing mm. is on a whole other. Oh yeah, level. I'm not. I'm not. Like, yeah, I'm not bashing the quality of, of the, mm. the, but, yeah, the script but they or anything. Can, but, but they can be made in terms of like easily. filming and everything. Yeah, mm. it's it's easy. It's an easy genre to do mm. quickly. However, one of his other very well-known fake documentary films, mm-hmm. I would say, was perhaps not that easy to make. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of a record of sweet murder? Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar, but yeah, I so probably haven't seen it. This one's 2014, and it's very similar to a cult in a lot of its themes. Mm. But it's shot in South Korea. Mm. So the cast is half South Korean, and then half the cast is Japanese. It is all done in what appears to be a single take. And it looks quite amazing okay. as well. And that that's like, it feels like, okay, this is what he can do with a bigger budget, but still mm. working in the same genre. So yeah, that, that one kind of blew my mind because it was on a totally different mm. level. Yeah, I've, I've not seen this one. I think you would love that film. That's pretty amazing. Okay. The other, the other uh, thing I wanted to talk about from his fake documentary work, mm. and this I think this is the thing that has kind of got everyone talking about him recently, because I think these films have sort of made their way to a Western audience recently. So he has made this amazing series of films that has been going since 2012, mm-hmm. and you are going to 
fucking love these films so much. Right. <laughs> amazing. So they're called uh, Senritsu Kaiki Fail Kowasugi. Oh. Do you know these? You know what? I have not seen any of these, mm. but I logged on to Letterboxd the other day. I saw that you had logged to them. Yeah, I've been uh, watching I, did, them I didn't read them. I didn't read I didn't read any of the reviews, but I saw that they've been popping up. Yeah. And then I was on Instagram and someone posted a few screenshots from one of them. Mm. And I saw the screenshot. I was like, what the fuck is this? This looks insane. Yeah. Saw the caption, linked it back to your reviews. I was like, yeah, I need to watch this entire <laughs> series. This is great. Oh, man. It's incredible. So, yeah, the, the title, I guess, kind of translates to like horror mystery file or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, yeah, people like Alex was was hyping this up for me, mm. and I'm like, how good can this be? It's just like a found footage. Kind of, I'm sure. going to enjoy it, but it's but he's like, no, it's it's amazing, and it truly is. So it follows the same characters mm. through the series, and each episode or each movie focuses on a different like Japanese leg- legend or a spooky mm. kind of ghost. So, for example, the first film is about the split-mouthed woman. Oh, yeah. Which, actually, Shiraishi also made that carved movie, that kind of cheesy J-horror version. But what makes this series amazing, and which I didn't know until getting into the the next few episodes, it follows the same characters, and the lead guy is one of the most fucking insane lead characters I've seen. He's like this violent lunatic right and at first you're like what is who is this guy like what's his problem Uh but then it slowly with each movie reveals more and more about him wow and then the show kind of starts to can like each episode kind of connects together sorry i I keep saying show because it feels like a series rather than than movies sure sure but um the lead actor is uh shigeo Osako, mm-hmm. who's the lead from Grotesque, you know, the oh, other, that yeah, really yeah, violent yeah. Shiraishi movie. Mm. But the detail in this universe that he's created mm-hmm. is incredible, staggering. And so it has been going since 2012. 2012, and there's a new one that's just come out. What, what episode are we up to now? I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't counted them mm-hmm. up, but they sort of stopped numbering them after a while. Oh, Christ. <laughs> but it's not only these films. Mm-hmm. He also has, like, spin-off short films so after you watch the movie, there's like a little spin-off, and it'll give you like extra information, and you're like, "What has this got to do with anything?" Mm. And then in the fourth movie, it's kind of revealed what that short film meant. Oh so it's like it's kind of like Marvel Universe levels of detail <laughs> in the way it's connected, but way way better, obviously. <laughs> and each each um, story has just gotten better and better. So I'm only four films in. And the last one was about uh, Hanako, oh, yeah. you know, the, the to- toilet, toilet, toilet yeah, ghost. Yeah, yeah. But but every single one, like, you're like, oh, it's just about the toilet ghost. Sure. This is where... It, and it starts kind of normal. But then every one just goes nuts. Right. So the Hanako one starts to turn into a time travel story. <laughs> and it's just amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> but <laughs> and each actually, episode is based on an urban legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, love it. So number three I wanted to tell you about a little bit as well. So... The third file is um, about Kappas. Oh, it's got a Kappa monster stuff. in it. But your mate is in it. Who's uh, my mate? Yuya Ishikawa. Oh, Ishikawa. Hey. Who, he came along to a, a, a sound of uh, summer screening. He right? did. He did. Yeah. He was. It was. Oh, he. I. You know what? I can't remember the first time I met him. The first. Yes. The first time I met him was in Shows of Bar, mm. actually. 
and I had food poisoning at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in a bit of a bad state, but I had to just pop in and say, "Hey, I had a very very mild case." Mm. An upset tummy is mm. probably the better way to say. Mm. You weren't gushing diarrhea no, everywhere. No, but I but I wasn't drinking, and I, I told uh, shows in, and I was actually meeting uh, Nozomi Tachi, the Loud Crew, there as well, and uh, <laughs> love and, and reference to people that. Yeah. No one will know. I was, anyway, so I was meeting the zombie Tachi, and I was like, I pop in and out, and walked in, and uh, yeah, Yuya Shikawa was in there. I was like, oh, fucking hell. Of course, you know, he's been in countless Noboru Gucci movies, The Machine Girl. Was, you know, he, he kind of was big in that J splatter genre, but before that, he was quite heavily involved in the pink mm-hmm. genre. I know him probably best from. Joseph Fukui's movie S94, of course. Mm. Um, but yeah, he um, he turned up uh, in Osaka for a Sound of Summer screening, mm. and um, which I saw him. I, you know, he was coming in. And I was like, oh fucking hell, hello, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like may I help you? Why? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he was, oh, it looks interesting. I thought I'd give it a give it a watch. And I was kind of like looking around during the screen and see if he hadn't left yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, nice guy, very nice guy. Um, mm. I like him. He's, he's a good dude. He's actually he's got a bar. He runs a oh, bar really? in Golden Guy in Tokyo. Oh. Yeah, called Darling. Mm. Yeah. Maybe next time might have to yeah. hit up Darling. Drop in old Darling. Yeah. <laughs> See old uh, Yuya. So yeah. he's in this uh, yes. episode three. He's in the third film, and at one point he says he wants to beat the shit out of a kappa. So that's pretty exciting. I would love to see that. <laughs> love to see that. The third film is the one where it's like, oh, okay, this is fucking genius. This right. is where it's, like, taking form, and it, it yeah, it starts going to really mm. wild places. So, man, check those Beat out. Beat the shit out of a kappa. I, I actually... Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah. I was gonna say, this is where I can I can write one of my previous wrongs on this podcast. We were talking oh. about <laughs> yeah, kappas once. I was thinking about that, watching that. And I don't know why you were like... Kappa is like a, is like a turtle, right? I was like, ah, it's like a frog or something. I think I was <laughs> without really even thinking. <laughs> and then I was listening to the episode. I was like, why the fuck did I say a kappa was a frog? But I was, when you said it, I'm like, oh, he's very certain about it. I he know. Must, he must be right. Even I though... don't know why. <laughs> because it's clearly a turtle. So, so wait, what episode was that on? I think that was Haunted Turkish Bathhouse. Because we're talking about yokai. yokai. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have no idea why I decided to to. I may have even corrected you on that. <laughs> no, yeah, you did, yeah. You did. Like but, but <laughs> completely wrong information. But I don't know why. I listened to the episode after. I was like, "What the fuck did I say that? Cup is not a frog." Anyway, you should have doubled down on it today and just be like, "No, it's a fucking frog." All right, <laughs> we're gonna rewrite history. Scrap what I just said. Yeah. You think you know kappas? No, it's a fucking they're frog. fucking frogs. You're wrong. They just pretend to be turtles <laughs> because they're mischievous little cunts. Exactly. And right. Yuya Ishikawa beats the shit out of one of them. Well, mm, you have to watch it to find out. Does he beat him with his own cucumber? <laughs> there's a lot of cu- There's a lot of cucumbers in that episode. <laughs> oh boy! But yeah, I I actually that series. Yeah. I'm starting to think we should do a little mini on it because it's oh. it's not quite pod like single episode worthy but it'd be great to talk about it especially because yeah it, now everyone's getting really into this series okay so, and you you'll just love it you're gonna right. love the shit out of it um all right so sorry back to koji shiraishi so he's not only a guy that makes found footage or fake documentary films 
He's also made some very fucking mainstream commercial films. So he made Sadako versus Kayoko. Oh no! From 2016, oh, I fucking uh, love. I love that shit. Wait, so I, I need, I need like, to check how 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 many stars I rated I that mean, one. It's an objectively stupid movie, but I did enjoy it a lot. So it's basically Ringu versus Juan. Just yeah, no, I think um, oh, I didn't actually log this one. I swear I've seen it, but maybe I didn't. Maybe I just thought it looked too shit to watch. I thoroughly enjoyed it for what it was. But w- w- but was it like? This is trash, and I enjoy oh, yeah. trash. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, yeah, like yeah. the the original Grudge films are not trash. No, they're great films. Ring yeah. as well. Like they were good films. They mm. just went into a horrendous direction. That said, though, I oh, I feel almost a bit worried saying this, but I rewatched mm. Ringu mm. very recently, just the other night, and I watched the Arrow Blu-ray. Right, and it was a weird experience because I love that film so fucking much. Mm. Like it's a really important film for me, but watching it again i was like this doesn't feel like the film that i remember Mm -hmm. and you know what i think it was i think the blu-ray is too good because it looks like really warm right and clean and when i used to watch it it was on this crappy dvd Mm. where everything was super blue and dark and then i went and looked at like a comparison of the shots and Mm. it's like a completely different film So, yeah, I think I need to go dig out my shitty old DVD and watch Mm. that instead. I think also, I mean, I feel like Sadako... Sorry, this is a tangent, but Sadako from The Ring, she went, like, the route of Freddy Krueger. Yeah. As in, she wasn't there to be feared anymore. She became Mm. a mascot of Japan, in a way. Yeah, she'd show up at baseball games. Baseball games, she, like, (laughs) pitches the first ball... I think now she has a bloody YouTube channel and you have, Fuck like, yeah. you know, Sadako's daily life. And mm. it, it, it's fucking ridiculous. Mm. You have um, these videos, like, vlog-style videos of Sadako, this this cursed video entity that comes out of your TV and kills yeah. you, getting a haircut. Wow. And it's like you have completely just ruined all mm. mystery and fear that surrounded this character which was what happened to freddy he was mm. terrifying that first in the original to maybe yeah. the third one mm. he's very fucking frightening and then yeah. he became like a fucking goofball comedy cheesy icon thing yeah, yeah, yeah. like cracking jokes all the time and and it's such a shame mm. because that initial ring the first time you watched that which you know would have been in the 90s mm. um 90s yeah it's like 98 okay yeah maybe by the time it got to england or it was probably early 2000s but i remember the first time i saw that it absolutely terrified me mm. and there was so much mystery surrounding it because yeah. you you follow the characters on the journey where she's trying to find out about you know the, the girl in the well what happens and you have the the, the cursed video and you, you, you follow, you're, you're learning as the characters are learning. Mm. But now it's like fucking Sadako's pitching baseball. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> getting haircuts in beauty salons. That, like, there's no yeah. mystery surrounding her anymore. That could have been part of it. It's kind of been tainted. But yeah, man, I don't know. Like, I, I think I liked it looking murky and like kind of hiding some yeah. of the details. And it just it just was too clean for me mm. this time around. You know, the, the first time I watched that film when I was a teenager, for some absolutely ridiculous reason i watched it with my mum it was just right. me and my mum watching that <laughs> right. film and my mum hates horror films like she closes her eyes mm. through all of them but for some reason we fucking watched 
Rangu. And when the film, this is not a lie, when the film finished, mm. the phone rang. Beautiful. And both of us sat there too scared to answer it. <laughs> I had a lot of weird, weird experiences with Ring. When I read the book, which yeah. I fucking love the uh-huh. book as well. But when I read the chapter about the video, my mo- this is 100% not a lie. My phone, mobile phone started ringing next to my bed and it was like 2 a.m. And I picked it up and it was just like static. like, oh. And I did not sleep that night. <laughs> you wouldn't. Isn't that I'm surprised you didn't like burn your book or something. I was very, very upset by that. Mm. <laughs> but that, that's kind of the, the charm mm. of what we saw in the 90s and growing up. I mean, for us, at least in the 90s, you know, before the internet had characterized and made these caricatures of all these horror icons that we yeah, you know, yeah. love so much, there was still that that fear and, and mystery surrounding mm. them that that did terrify us and like you said as well like those original duon films like the shot on video mm. originals are terrifying yes. those films they they are they still scare the shit out yeah. of me well i mean that, that little boy is not pitching any baseball games is it? <laughs> little kid in his as soon as he does that then it's not scary <laughs> anymore <laughs> okay so yeah he, <laughs> that was quite a tangent <laughs> so yes he's made mainstream stuff like that film mm-hmm. He also made a film called Hell Girl in 2019, which is quite a big budget horror. I think it's based on a manga. I watched it last night. It was a lot of fun in that kind of trashy Wait, sort hell- of way. Oh, hang on. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I have seen this. I enjoyed that a lot. But, you know, it's a silly, trashy, <laughs> like, J-horror sort of film. Yeah. But also what I liked about the even these mainstream films that he makes, he still slips in his little obsessions so he's very much... There's certain things that he, he loves. Mm-hmm. Like tentacly wormy things floating right. around, crows flying around the sky, UFOs sort of stuff. Like mm-hmm. he still manages to slide that into all of his films, which I really enjoy. Um, another really crazy, very different kind of thing he made. Uh, he made a film that was very recently, last year. Mm. Uh, it was part of... You know the Roman Porno Now series? Um, uh, so like recently made Roman porno. Yeah, like it's kind of like a revival of the Roman porno. So probably the most famous one is Anti Porno by mm. Shion Sono. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he made one last year called Safe Word. That's the right. English title, but um, the Japanese title is Aishteru. But that film is great. It's basically like a kind of fake documentary, but it's a bit like haphazard, the okay. fake documentary stuff. But it's following a woman who get she's like a idol singer mm-hmm. and then she gets kind of recruited into an S&M club love it and it's really funny but also quite emotional right. and i i've never seen anything like this before the emotional peak of the film mm-hmm. involves a woman pissing in another woman's mouth but it's mm-hmm. like a genuinely emotionally affecting moment oh brilliant <laughs> so pretty amazing oh. And another thing, another film to mention, just to talk about his diversity, Grotesque, mm. which we've both seen, which is an absolutely disgusting, yeah. violent, torture porn kind of kind of thing. But it still has his kind of ridiculousness in it as well, like yeah. heads flying off and it's very silly <laughs> madness. So with all of these films and like getting ready for this podcast as well, I, I think I've had the same realization that seemingly everyone has had in the last mm. year not everyone in the world but everyone who's into <laughs> films and japanese films which is that shiraishi is not just a guy that made 
Noroi, which was a mm. great film, he's actually one of the most important Japanese horror filmmakers probably of all time. So I've I've always liked him a lot and considered him a guy that made a couple of great films and a mm. lot of trash, but from seeing his films, and especially that uh, Senditsu Kaiki file films, mm. uh, I've started to see like the consistency in what he does and the themes that he gets into, and I think I've realized that he's just he's a fucking genius. He's a genius. And so then, let's get on to one of the most insane things that he's ever maybe maybe the most fucking crazy thing he's ever made and completely different to everything we have spoken about in this episode so far (laughs) so we're gonna talk about the film as i said it's got lots of titles uh cho akunin uh and it's also known as villain but there's another japanese film called villain so let's refer to it by its other english title which is hyper villain -villain. yeah Mm -hmm. the japanese title kind of translates to that right it's like ultra villain or super yeah. villain mm. yeah so just before we get into the story just a few little quick things about this so i don't have too much background information on this uh but jake gave me some information and i also bought which you can see over there guy a big stack of chirashis mm-hmm. so some flyers so I wanted to get the flyer for this because last episode you talked about Nighty Night yeah. and all your information came from a Chirashi or a lot, mm. most of it, right? Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I've got to get one for this because I can find nothing. Went on to Merukari oh, yeah. to, do a, to try and find it. The only one I could find was a lot of like 40 Chirashis, which <laughs> uh-huh. it was one of. Brilliant. But then ordering them, I yeah. found out something kind of interesting about mm-hmm. the other trashies in there. So this film, Hypervillain, was released as part of the Seishun Eichi mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of this Nor before. Have I. But this series has 42 films oh, wow. in it. And I realized, sort of from getting this information from Jake and then looking mm-hmm. at the trashies, the, the flyers that I, that I ordered, all of those flyers are the flyers for this series. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so it wasn't just a random lot. No. That it, everything is connected. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. But most of the other films in this series are not like Hypervillain. Okay. At all. So all of the other ones, and you can look at the flyers, and also Jake told me this too, they're all kind of quirky relationship, huh. dramas a little bit erotic, but right. nothing too much right so what was the the rules or the guidelines for this series i have no idea Ah, (laughs) i can't give you any more information other than that title but they were basically all produced on tiny budgets Mm -hmm. and shown for about a week Mm -hmm. at a cinema at a mini theater in tokyo called pore pore higashi nakano do you, okay. know, do you know that place? No. I, I looked it up. It looks looks pretty cool. We should uh-huh. check it out well, next hey. time we're there. In English, it's spelled like pole pole. Pole pole. Yeah, okay. pole pole. But yeah, it's definitely safe to say that Shiraishi's movie is not the typical entry right. in this series. Oh, okay. It looks absolutely nothing like hmm. any of the other films in that. But I guess it could be in a very, very, very fucked up way described as a relationship drama. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what the other films are like then? I guess so, yeah, based on what I saw from from, uh, that stack of flyers there. It's a bit of a stretch, Dave. A bit of a stretch, but, you know, there's some romantic moments in this film. But, yeah, but no, but this film is utterly, utterly fucked. So fucked in that I 
actually was not sure whether we should do it just because we have oh, what, nice. what we have to talk about. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing I wanted to to quote from the Chirashi. So they talk about Shiraishi, and I mm. thought there's a really accurate uh, quote about mm-hmm. him. In the flyer on the back, it says, when people hear the name Koji Shiraishi, they think horror, but he loves many different genres. He nails suspense, understands emotions and humor, and tells jokes with a sense of seriousness and reality. He is a director with extraordinary ability. So I, I thought that idea of emotions and humor and like telling jokes with a sense of seriousness and reality is kind of the perfect Mm. definition of what this film is yes because a lot of the reviews of this on letterboxd are just like this is a bleak grim film and i'm like did we watch the same film i I, I was creasing up a little bit yeah because this film is (laughs) a very uncomfortably humorous film it is disgusting if you it is, can laugh within yeah. the subject matter but I it mean, is it is are, an absurd film yes but there, <laughs> i can totally understand how some people will not be able to muster up a giggle yeah. because they're so horrified by what they're seeing on yeah, screen yeah. yeah i can totally understand that i however was creasing right yeah. up. <laughs> it's an incredibly uncomfortable watch mm. this film yeah all right should we get into the film? I think we better. Yeah. Well, we start in classic Shiraishi fashion of a handheld camera being um, operated by a man in an apartment. Now, first thing I thought, cool fucking sunglasses. <laughs> I was like, who is this fashionable man? He has got some weird, ridiculous, probably straight out of the Matrix 90s fashion glasses. They look like that... LaForge from Star Trek. Oh, they're, yeah, that's kind of a better, yeah. They're, like, single, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, line of sunglasses. Yeah. Didn't one yeah. of the X-Men have one of them as well? Oh, Cyclops. Yeah. Cy- it's yeah. very Cyclops-esque. So, like, yeah. a one-frame thing that strips across the eye line, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's talking to the camera, and he has apparently raped a hundred and six women. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how he has raped all of these women. The first thing that um, I thought, because I just could not shake it, it was immediately brought to my attention, is the fact that he speaks in an Osakan accent. Yeah, that was an interesting yeah, addition in a to this. very right? heavy yeah, Osakan yeah, yeah. accent. So I saw this initial opening monologue, and I was like, hang on, have we got this, this anti-superhero who's just going to go around the streets of Osaka <laughs> raping people. And if so, that would be fucking awesome. Because uh, I, I know... <laughs> because I want to see an insane film shot in the streets of Osaka, which is where we live. Mm. But it didn't seem to be filmed in Osaka. No, I, I think the reason he speaks in, in that dialect in the, mm. in the Kansai bed... Uh, so this actor is played by Shohei Uno, mm-hmm. who is the lead from... Uh, a cult. Right. And when Shiraishi makes films, he basically gets people to play a version of themselves. Right. In fact, the character's name, which we don't find out until yeah. much later, is basically the actor's I, name. I, I noticed that yeah. in the and, credits. And he's from Osaka. Right. So I guess he just really leans quite heavily like, into the Osaka Almost bed. in a comical state. Yeah. It's very, like, amped up. So he's talking about how he's raped all these women and... Um, and he pans the camera around, mm. and there's a girl in there tied up 
mm. bound and gagged. Yeah, so he's he's broken into her apartment. That's mm. the, so we realize that he's he's in this woman's apartment. Did you recognize the actress playing this role? No. So I I didn't know her, but she is very well known. Uh, so this actress is one one name one name uh, one single right. name uh, Shijimi. Shijimi. Okay. So she is a famous AV actress ah and she's also in a lot of like v cinema and kind of softcore mm. sort of stuff i didn't recognize her but she's very good okay. in this film it's a small role but she is she's really, the, well, really she's good the, uh, the opening girl isn't she yeah so basically he's got this girl she's got um yeah tape over her mouth and he gives her three choices oh, it's very fucked room, he's yeah. And also, I just I really want to stress how ridiculous the this villain character mm. is. So he's got the sunglasses, as you said. Mm-hmm. He's got a mustache. His head's shaved. He's in a fucking ridiculous outfit, like yellow gloves, yellow top, a fluffy kind of jacket. So he looks mm. absurd. But everything and the way he talks is in mm. this absurd Osaka Ben. But everything that he's doing is so dark mm. and so fucked. But yeah, he he's holding her by the neck, and he gives her three options at yeah. this point. At this point, I was like, "Oh man, this is this is already grim." Yeah, very grim. Do you remember the three three options? It was either number one. Number one, he's going to rape her, mm. and follow then orders, get yeah. raped. So goes. she can get raped without kicking up a fuss, mm. and then he'll go. Number two, he's going to rape her, and then bash her head in with mm. this hammer. That he keeps attached to his belt. Number three, he'll do it in the opposite order. He'll bash her head in and then rape her. <sighs> this is and, within the first few minutes. And I was like, holy fuck, this is grim. Yeah. This is fucking horrible. Yeah, it's grim as fuck. But but then you but you have this guy who's just giving this like cartoon performance, mm-hmm. but kind of amazing as well. Yeah. But like, oh my god, it's in- it's nuts. And so she agrees, obviously, to the first option. He kind of starts being nice to her. Yeah, he he does this a lot through this, where he's like, "Oh, I'm I've fallen in love with you. Mm. I only I only rape women that I'm crazy about," and just yeah, it's it's horrible stuff. Yeah, and it, one of the things that yeah I, I found interesting. So he basically you know takes her to the bed. So she mm. she agrees you know that he's going to rape her and then leave. So she's like, "Right, I'll just fucking." get through this and then I can survive the night and he kind of takes her to the bed and he's like her name's Miwa right and he's like oh, Miwa you know be careful watch where you step in you go come to the bed it's like he's been so nice to her but it's mm. like a real awful like full sense of security because he snaps back and forth between insane yeah. characters yeah his yeah. like yeah the the way that he goes back and forth is mm. like a constant thing through yeah. this and it's very unsettling yeah and uh, he's so nice to her up until a certain point where she feels comfortable enough to ask him to wear a condom, to which point he beats the fucking shit out of her. There's also, in this scene, we see one of his, like, weird... What do you call it? Weird... I don't want to say quirk, because it sounds too nice. Mm-hmm. Weird obsessions. Right. Where he asks to smell her armpits. Right. And 
so he's armpit obsessed uh-huh. this character and he's like i don't like the way your sweat smells but i'll let it go so this is like a, right. a weird like hang up for him like the smell of mm. sweat and armpits but yeah as you said it, it gets like quite violent mm. as uh she wants him to to uh wear a condom and he's also rambling about animals and he's like oh when females get scared they get turned on and i'm like a I'm a male animal, and that this is just what we're programmed to do. It's it's very upsetting stuff. Not only does he beat her for uh, her asking him to wear a condom, he basically has the intention of impregnating her. Mm. So he's like, "I'm you're going to have my fucking baby." Because and then you know he starts to rape her, and it was at this point where I realized this has all been one take Mm-mm. from the start of the movie. His like long introduction and monologue to him, kind of bargaining with her, giving her the three choices to you know luring her to the bed, talking to her like you said, talking about the armpits of the animals, and then smashing her, and then fucking. This has all been, I'm pretty sure, just one take. I think so. Yeah, which was quite incredible. Yeah, yeah. That that's what I I, I really want to know more about the way Shiraishi makes his films yeah. because. He's actually written a book about making fake really? documentaries, so I'd love to to read that. But um, because yeah. I mean, as far as we could tell, yeah, it's just the two of it's them. It's just right? two of them yeah. in a room with one single camera. Mm. It's honestly pretty amazing, mm. like, and they're they're both incredible in this. So I, I wonder, like, I guess they must block it out with Shireshi there, do all the rehearsals. But it but it is the actor mm. holding the camera at yeah. the start, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are certain times where you where there are cuts within a, a scene. Mm. Um, well, it kind of changes, right? Once we, because mm. well, something's we're going to see something happen later on. But mm. at this point, it's like found footage, sure. essentially, right? I, I was very impressed that they managed to do such a long take uh, mm. with the director seemingly not even in the room. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. During this horrible scene, so he he starts raping her. As he's doing it, it's very incredibly grim, this shot as mm. well. But she starts calling him uh, a villain mm. in this point. So this is when he kind of he kind of takes this as his... Superhero name? Ex- yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> it's basically like he sees it as like a superhero name. He thinks it's really cool to have this name. He's like, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm a, I'm, I'm a villain. <laughs> he finishes collapses on her yeah she's calling him evil he hits her around a bit more but he gets um he gets extremely angry mm. at this point right yeah because of what she's called yeah called him Does after, she call right? him like a scumbag yeah or something? she says he's a scumbag and he basically tells her that she's now just chosen number two yeah and what did he do well then he pulls out his mallet and bashes her to death. Mm. It's just grim. It's just extremely grim. There's no CGI blood or anything mm. like that. It's very raw and mm. gross. Off camera. And off camera. Off camera, but it's it's it feels mm. quite real. Mm. Yeah. So then he he collects the camera up from its spot. He's kind of getting a bit like apologetic. Not quite apologetic, but a bit like making excuses at this point right mm. where he's like oh i don't normally ba- i haven't bashed that many which is another kind of yeah. thing that keeps appearing throughout this as well and he's really pissed off at her for her saying that and making him angry but he's also kind of 
stoked with himself. He's like, oh, that's rape number 107. It's all done in the bag kind of thing. Yeah. And he starts talking about his 108th uh, victim. Hmm. So then he turns the camera off and we cut to our next scene where we are in a maid bar. Maid bar. Shot with a hidden camera. Love it. On the table. So it's like he's clearly got it in a bag. You can sort of see the outside of the bag. Mm. We don't see him, but we hear him talking and kind of occasionally like leaning into the camera. He's talking about how he's really nervous being at a, at a maid bar. And he asks for a girl to come over. And yeah, he's clearly very obsessed with this girl already. Oh, yeah. He's talking about how cute she is. She she pours him a drink, and she actually even comments on the Osaka accent, right, mm. in this part. Mm. He mentions that she has a strong scent, mm. which, again, is going to be coming back later as well. Yep. And she kind of panics and apologizes about it, but he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. And then we do a classic magic spell on the drink. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like when I, when I was thinking about we're going to do this episode, I was like, we need to go on to a maid bar on May Cafe Tangent because they they're, they're yeah. just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I've only ever been to a, a, a maid cafe once, and that was the second time I came to Japan. So it was 10 years ago. And I was with a mate. We were in Akibahara, which is like the uh, otaku district. I wonder if we went to the he, same place. Fuck it. The guy I was with, because he, he was really into anime and manga and like that kind of like otaku culture. I was not, but it was like, all right, fuck it. While we're in Japan, you know, we gotta we gotta do you know do do the checklist. Yeah. You know? yeah. And we've been walking around for fucking hours into all these bloody toy shops and. Manga shops, and I had enough. And, I, and he was like, Let's go to a maid cafe. I was like, Fine, so we can sit down. We flags down this maid on a street. We're like, Take us to your cafe. And it was a lot of stuff I didn't understand. I couldn't speak any Japanese at that point. But I remember there was, you know, some games that we played together, and there was a stage, and every now and again, the maids would go up onto the stage and sing a song. And we would play like rocks as a paper together, that kind of shit. But the best thing that that happened was absolutely actually nothing to do with the maids themselves. <laughs> there was a homeless man oh. in the maid cafe. <laughs> and he had clearly probably just spent all of his um his rent money on going to maid cafes. Mm. He was a very, very rough, like roughly kept looking homeless man. Mm. Yet he had his own like maid cafe accessories. So wow. you'll see these girls singing and dancing with these lights, light sticks, mm. the same kind of sticks that you would see someone guide an aeroplane into dock yeah. with, you know. And so whenever these um, girls would get up onto the stage and start singing, he would stand in front of the stage with his own light sticks wow. and start dancing. And he knew the exact routine, <laughs> the exact routine. Wow. And that was a lot more kind of a... That memory lasted a lot longer than <laughs> the maids themselves. <laughs> oh, God. My my story is not as good as that. But, like, <laughs> I probably went around the same time that you would have gone. I think it was right. 10 years ago as well. Like, were also, you a homeless man? That was me, mate. You that was me. I was into it. Yeah. <laughs> I spent all my money on, on maids, so I couldn't, couldn't uh, pay for my ticket home back to Australia. No, I, I went to one as well, also in Akihabara. And again, like, 
yeah, we got to do it. Yeah. Check it out. Do it once. And the main thing I remember going there was the maid. That you kind of get your own maid who serves mm. you at the table, right? And the maid that was our table's mm. maid was not Japanese. She was, like, European. Oh, no. I can't remember if she was, like... I think she was French, maybe. Right. And there was just something a bit... Sounds a bit awkward. Awkward, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, she came over and she's like, oh, oh, do you speak English? And we're like, oh, yeah. And then it, it was just, like, this awkward, like, in English. And, and then she's like, oh, so here's your drink. So um, I have to do, like, a spell to bless it now. <laughs> it's like French accent. Like, and she's, like, doing this, like, spell where she's like, ah, oh, love, 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 yeah. making us do, like, a love symbol over the drink. Aww. And we're just... All sort of like looking down, like yeah. oh god, this is awkward. That sounds bad. that sounds bad. <laughs> not gonna lie. But then at the end as well, the other thing I remember they made they made all the the maids line up, yeah, and we had to choose a maid to get a photo with, oh. and they took like a Polaroid. Oh. But I remember feeling just really bad, where I'm like, oh, I don't want to, you know, like you just feel bad having to choose someone, yeah. right? You're gonna yeah. hurt someone's feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I didn't choose the the French one who was. Did, did she not make your uh, your tea delicious enough? Well, yeah, because that's it. They put the spell on the tea to make it yes. more delicious, which is what happens in Hyperville. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, this maid that's come to the table, she does a cuteness beam on the drink, <laughs> and she makes villain the villain guy join in, and mm. it's sort of like a. Yeah, it's like a love heart symbol. Yeah, spraying into spray, spray, spraying spray. into the drink. Uh, but yeah, this she also introduces herself. Her name's Mimu. Mimu Chan. Mimu Chan, and yeah, the villain. He starts to ask a few weird questions. He talks about, uh, gives the situation mm. of if he was a criminal, would she? What would she do? And she says that she would still be. His master. That's another point to mention. When you go to these maid cafes, yeah. you are the master. They yeah. call you master. It's just very gross. creepy. You, you probably get all those like gross men who have a real fucking like like huge self esteem who go there and just want to like dominate the the young girls working there. Mm. So yeah, call me master. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. fucking gross. It's such a weird culture of Japan. <laughs> and yeah, and he says, yeah, if I was a criminal, what would you do? She'd be like, well, you'd still be my master. Mm. And, and yeah, he's fucking probably creaming under the table. Oh, crim. <laughs> but yeah, she walks off and he's talking to the camera about how, how horny he is at this point. Mm. And then he calls over another maid. Yes. And I'm very excited to talk about this bit because awesome. I had this crazy realization mm. So I've been watching all these Shiraishi films and it hit me last night, I think. Right. I was watching one of the the Kaiki file mm-hmm. films and then it just hit me. Like, this maid mm. that comes over mm. after Mimu, the main maid, so the second maid that comes over is played by Chika Kuboyama, right. who is one of the leads of that series that I talked about before. <gasps> oh. And she is awesome she's such such a great actress she's so good in in that series Mm. so that kind of added this extra layer to this scene and she's really good in this one small little bit that she's in i i really like her performance here even though it's only this one shot but yeah because when he was talking to mimu-chan he's he's very polite he does Mm. the magic spell and he, he does make a comment 
on her saying like you know you have quite a strong body odor but he also says no no i like that that's fine like i'm mm-hmm. just just you know as to a kind of like know. passing passing comment but he's yeah. a very like pleasant customer mm-hmm. and he talks to the his own little hidden camera and he's like, ah she's so cute you know i think i love her but then we get another one of his insane sudden changes mm-hmm. with this co-worker mm-hmm. of mimu chan's uh, but it starts by talking about mimu chan it's like hey have you told her that she kind of stinks? Mm. Yeah. Seemingly in a negative way. And the other maid, I didn't catch her name. She's like, no, you know, well, no, I haven't. It's like, well, are you gonna? And she's like, no, that's, we can't really comment on that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, he just starts belittling this other maid. And he's like, you're a bunch of fucking bitches, aren't you? Mm. And, he, and then he's, first he starts saying that like, I saw you laughing back there. And she's like, no, we didn't. He's like, yeah, you were fucking laughing. Don't lie to me, you fucking cunt. I bet your fucking pants are soaking wet. I bet you're creaming your pants. And it's so horrible because it goes on and on. But because, of course, you know, made cafe culture, he is the master. Mm. She just sits there and takes this belittlement. Yeah, her performance is just so real yes. like her reactions to what he's saying mm. there was almost a moment where i was watching the scene and I'm like is this just a real thing it feels it real feels so fucking Dude, real i mean obviously not to this horrendous extent but um the amount of times i have seen some old japanese osan cunt just belittle a female employee mm. like at a convenience store or at a cafe, or anywhere, at a restaurant, izakaya, and they just take it, mm. because the customer is God, essentially, mm-hmm. in, in here. And she just sits there and receives all kinds of harassment, you know, from, from this guy, and it's horrible. Mm. And then he snaps back again. Yeah, he's like, all right, on your way, and uh, yeah, I want a piece of cake. Oh, yeah. Send Mimu back yeah. with the cake. Oh, make sure Mimu delivers my cake. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, completely changes personality back. It's a both of them are great, mm. both fantastic performances mm. here. Mm. I really liked that scene. It, it was it was horrendous, but it, it was so simple. It was just mm. one static shot, and we never even see the guy. Yeah. We just saw the girls' faces and their reactions to what he was saying. Mm. It was beautifully done. Yeah, really great stuff. So. That's it for the maid cafe. He puts his hand over the camera and says, we're going to go take a look at Mimu's private life. (laughs) Oh, God. He's smitten. So we see him on the floor. Mm. It's like a shot level with the floor. And we don't know where he is yet. He's filming himself. And then we realize, oh, fuck. He's in Mimu's apartment (laughs) and we hear someone coming in and talking on the phone and of course it's Mm. Mimu she comes into the apartment so he's like fucking hiding like under a bed (laughs) filming her it's so creepy so she's on the phone she's talking to I guess a sibling Mm. about her parents she's talking about uh, not having a boyfriend Mm. and working at a maid cafe and then she hangs up the phone and starts talking about how sick of it all she is how Mm. she wants a boyfriend she wants sex and she starts stripping off her her maid clothes and starts masturbating Mm. and he's just watching filming all of this and yeah she gets up and i was quite surprised as well that we see a full 
bush mm. shot here. There was no pixelation, was it? No, there wasn't. That was really surprising. Which also makes me remember, I was very surprised that they beeped out the word pussy in this. I was going to mention that as well. So there's a lot of beeping yeah. of swear word, or kind of, the closest you can get to a swear word in, sure. in Japanese. But that is a trope of his films as well. I guess oh, really? it's part of the fake documentary thing. Huh. So all of his films, they bleep out Really? Like, bad language. <laughs> it's kind of That's weird. That's weird. Isn't it? Why would that be? Because it, it, it yeah. takes away the the realness from it. Yeah, but then what this becomes after, it kind of makes more sense, right? Because it's not. this is not a found footage film, I as guess we so, find yeah. out as yeah. we move on, which is oh, a great fucking twist as well. But anyway, so he, he's watching her doing all of this, and then she goes off to the, the shower. And he comes out and he's like breathing in oh, uh, yeah. armpit smell. And <laughs> Which just is wafting through yeah, the apartment. He's breathing it in. He's outside the shower, like, you know, listening to her shower. And she comes out for a moment and he sort of hides around the corner. He's he's just like, this is, she's the one. She's the one. And then he mentions that not only is she one, the 108th. Uh, victim of his. It's yeah. also his tenth anniversary yeah. of being a rapist, <laughs> which is a that's a nice thing to celebrate. Sure. <laughs> um, and he's also like he's not going to do it now. He's going to wait mm. for the the right time yeah. when it's more romantic. And off he goes, leaves the apartment, and then he's outside and he's talking to the camera. And this is when the film is like, wait, what? Mm. What are we seeing now? Yeah. So he starts talking to the camera about his 10th anniversary and he's like so do you want to film it it's going to be a big scoop and he <laughs> this is amazing shot so he's like you can shoot dv uh an interview how about it let's do it and then he points at the camera yeah but it's a shot the shot just holds yeah. for ages of him sort of smiling and pointing to the camera and then awkwardly having to turn it off because he's filming it himself and it's not edited and um, I, I just thought that was... That was a very subtle bit of genius in there. It's just, it sums up this film where it's like very darkly funny yeah. in an absolutely disgusting way. So then we realize we're seeing something kind of different to what we mm. thought. This is the 30 minute mark of the film. So we've right. had 30 minutes of this found footage. Then we, we realize we're actually watching someone else watching this. So it pulls out from a TV mm. and we're in an office and we've got a guy filming and talking to this younger woman. Her name's Yaiko. And we realize that they're documentary filmmakers. So the person behind the camera, who we do see quite a lot in this, is... That's the director, Koji Shiraishi, yeah. playing Koji Shiraishi. <laughs> He's just Koji Shiraishi. But I think it's like the spelling's like a little bit different. Sure. He's talking to this this woman who's an interviewer mm. and saying she he thought that she'd be interested in this because she's really interested in rape stories yeah so she covers this kind of thing a lot she asked the very good question mm. uh should shouldn't we report this to the police koji shirai she's like nah if we do that they'll they'll arrest him and we won't be able to release this on dvd they, they want to include the dvd in with their magazine right it's like yeah yeah that's magazine right yeah with the, 
Mm. I don't know if that is that still a thing, but I remember back in the day you buy a magazine, there was a DVD included. Yeah, is that yeah. kind of that ni- 90s magazine title? Stuff? I'm sure that's still a thing, yeah. yeah. I hope it is. They, they sh- I remember I, VHS tapes used to be included. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Oh, wow. I remember buying magazines with VHS tapes included. <laughs> I, I've never experienced that before, but I do remember like the DVDs or CDs mm. and stuff like that. But yes, Yaiko, despite her reservations, agrees mm. to do this. So mm. this crew... For this magazine, who released a DVD along with it, like a crime, I guess, magazine, are going to go and interview this demented sunglasses-wearing rapist. (laughs) So then this is when the style of the film kind of changes. So it's Mm. no longer found footage. We're now watching a documentary, essentially, which I really liked. It's like this... you, You think it's this found footage thing of this this rapist character and then it becomes a new kind of thing mm. which is, is really cool it's a nice little twist midway through yeah and it's so far into the film as well mm. which made it quite shocking mm. to the first time I watched it I'm like whoa yeah. that's that's quite a shift so all of a sudden they're outside and they're in the meeting they're at the meeting place where they're going to meet the hyper villain and he's kind of just there sitting on a bench it's a afternoon-ish broad mm. daylight he's there in his cool little sunglasses and his get-up hammer attached to the belt yeah <laughs> and they approach him and he has this like ridiculous kind of self-introduction for the camera yeah. he's like hey i'm the hyper villain nice to meet you <laughs> And it instantly gets very full on as well, which again, like you said before, mm. the way he shifts mm. it's in this scene is fantastic. So, I mean, you would you, if you were a, cause essentially the guy operated the camera is the boss, right? He's the director, the cameraman of the, this magazine. And he has essentially set up this young girl yeah. to meet with a serial rapist. You mm. wouldn't do that. No. That would be the opposite of what yeah, you would. It's a terrible idea. Who thought that was a good idea? So, yeah. And of course, the hypervillain sees the young girl, and what does he say? Basically, Asa, do you want to get fucked? Yeah. Straight away. But then I also love that he then turns to Shiraishi, who's like, whoa, 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 what's going yeah. on? He's like, what about you? Do you want to get raped? Yeah. To, to the cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> But then he's laughing. It's just yes. a prank. So it's a lot of this back and forth. Yeah. Of you just don't know what mm. what he's going to do next. It's mm. kind of... It's both frightening and oddly funny as well. Oh, no, because it's terrifying. It's, it's terrifying, but mm. it's also... It's Yeah, it's just so over the top mm. and outrageous. And, but he oh. completely dominates them. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're just like, oh, I don't know how to handle this. Mm. But he, he's so full on, he completely dominates them. I do really like Shiraishi appears in his films quite a lot, usually as the cameraman, because mm. he is actually filming it. But um, he often plays this sort of pathetic, cucked kind of character. And, and this is the best example of oh, it, I dude. would say. I mean, I knew it was the director. Um, just, just You see him very briefly in the office before they meet with the hypervillain. Oh, oh, there he is. Mm. But he is so pathetic in this movie (laughs) like insanely pathetic where you think like come on mate you can do a bit better than this can't you it's truly pathetic (laughs) but they yeah they sit down and uh yaiko starts asking him a few questions she asks about his rapist lifestyle Mm. and we get some very important information here and it's this is the worst thing in the film it's horrible but she asks about his first victim 
he tells this very upsetting story about raping a elementary school girl. It's just horrible. I, I don't really want to go into the details of it, but he basically talks about raping this girl and then they made a pinky promise mm. that she wouldn't talk about it and she she went home. And then he reveals something that is quite a shock to everyone that that was 10 years ago today and he says the 108th rape is going to happen today and points over to an apartment <laughs> behind him and says that's Mimu's apartment she's going to be home early today let's go and film mm. the rape oh, get out. <laughs> he's like while well, I'm over there I want you to film it and the girl too narrate it oh, narrate his rape the narration stuff is the most insane thing in this <laughs> but of course mm. the director he's like well we can't do that Mm. At first, I'm like, yeah, of course, because that would make you accomplices to rape. But that's not the reason that he gives. Mm. He says, we can't, we can't publish that in the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> to which point the hypervillain goes absolutely fucking nuts. He's like, I don't give two shits about your fucking magazine. He beats the shit out of the cameraman. He busts out his hammer, starts beating him with the hammer. And he's essentially... On the verge of killing him. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is bigger than your fucking magazine. This is yeah. my 100th, my 10 year anniversary. God. And he's got his hammer held up high. He's about to bash this guy's brains in when the female reporter says, all right, we'll do it. So they've ag- agreed to do it. They've been forced into it. Under the threat of his hammer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So he takes Wait. him to Mimu's apartment. Also, as he's going over, I love some of the details here. So right after we've had him beating the shit mm. out of Shiraishi, threatening to kill him, he then just flips back to nice oh, guy mode. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I really like the aura of you guys. Yeah, yeah you guys are great. <laughs> and then he also starts talking about, which was a really great detail. He's talking about why he dresses like this. Mm. And he's like, He's like, yeah, I wear the sunglasses because people will think I'm just some cosplay cunt. <laughs> and they're never going to suspect me of being a rapist. And then, like, someone else is coming out of an apartment. He's like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man. But yeah, he, yeah, they go to into the apartment. He's got a copy of the key. Mm. They head in. I loved this part because they, they, yeah, they break into Mima's apartment and they go in and uh, he gets angry. He's like, hey, take your fucking shoes off. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god, it's those really oh, like subtle, subtle things details. That he says, yeah. Great. Oh my god. He's he's really violent from this point on, but again it's like flipping between silly stuff like that to just like slapping people around. Yeah. So I think it might be over the shoe thing. He like slaps Yaiko in the back of the head. Oh, he gets quite physical, doesn't he? Yeah. But the the apartment as well, it's just so pink and garish as mm. well. The pink horrendous apartment. But he's planning out the scene. So he's like, all right, so you wait here. I'm going to be here. I'm going to come out and grab her. And it's just this time in this, like, panic where he's explaining what he wants. And Yaiko and Shiraishi are clearly in a state of shock. Mm. And they're sort of going along with it, but they're hysterical. Yeah, Yeah, he also says that he needs Yaiko's help to help hold her in place. Mm -hmm. And they even start discussing... um, camera positions as well so Shiraishi's like oh this this place will be best for the light so let's mm. set up here it's so 
It's so It is like, what the fuck am I watching? Oh, yeah. man. I also love here uh, the hypervillain. He, he's talking about his his bashing incidents because yeah. Shirai, she's like, oh, I'm really worried about you killing her. And he's like, oh, it's okay. I've only bashed and killed six people. It's okay. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's only six out yeah. of 107. Uh, is this when he asked the female reporter to practice her narration? Yes. This oh. scene is ridiculous. It's amazing and ridiculous. Like, there's, there's no way that anyone could take this seriously. Yeah. Like, it, it's so, what we're witnessing is so insane. Like, as you said, he's broken into a girl's apartment to attack her when she comes home and rape her and has essentially kidnapped a film crew mm. to, to be accomplices to his rape. Oh. And he's like, right, you need to practice your narration. So he gets down on the bed and basically performs as if he was with yeah. and was raping Mimu and finger, well, fingering Mimu. He's like fully miming it in yeah. graphic detail. And the female reporter is like, oh, now he's vigorously moving his fingers in and out. Oh, my goodness. Like, And, and he gets so involved. He's doing in sound effects. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so over the top. It's like he's convulsing on the bed. Doing that. <laughs> yeah, he switches roles as well. At some points, he becomes Mimu and he's like miming her reactions. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's absurd. And yeah, like, Yaiko kind of gets better as it, at it yeah, as it yeah, goes because yeah. he's getting really vice. He's like, do it properly and slapping her yeah. around. And then at the end, he's like, oh, it's so disgusting. He's like holding up his mimed wet fingers. <laughs> yeah. And Yaiko's talking about it. And he's just like, that was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> he's calling her a genius. Yeah. He's like, that was incredible narration. That's why you get the big bucks kind of thing. <laughs> But then, but, oh, 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 so he's like congratulated uh, Yaiko in this very over the top sort of way, and Shiraishi makes the terrible mistake. So he's filming all this, and because it is so absurd, mm. he laughs mm. at what's happening, and the hyper villain absolutely loses his fucking shit and starts beating the fuck out of Shiraishi and. Oh my god, this is, like, so... Like, you talked about him being so pathetic. Mm. This is just the peak of that, right? So, he he pulls the camera off Shiraishi, and he's filming him, like, sniveling, and he's, like, stomping on his head, and just going nuts on him mm. and also then we, he reveals like oh actually it wasn't six people that I bashed it was more like ten to twenty people <laughs> that got bashed <laughs> so he's holding the mallet out just demanding an apology and then Yaiko steps in and sort of begs mm. begs him just like please don't kill Shiraishi and then we get this, like, that amazing bit of like Shiraishi saying that he can he can do it and he's like slapping him to get him pumped yeah. up. So the hypervillain's just slapping Shiraishi oh, in the no. face, and that looks—it looks real, like real looks slaps. Real. Well, right? All of the slap, even when he was hitting the younger girl, the female yeah. reporter, he's properly slapping her mm. on the head, and he's slapping Shiraishi, and he's like, "You wince," and he's like, "No, I didn't." And he's like, "You wince, do it again." And he fucking slaps him. Shiraishi's going, "Oh, thank you so much, thank you so much." Yeah. <laughs> I love like the madness of, of th- th- this whole sequence the moment mm. they enter the apartment the energy is oh, just like 
buzzing mm. with madness. It's it's phenomenal. I, I like the way um, after the female narration practicing um, the hypervillainess, saying like, "We're here doing our best." Yeah. When you're just there laughing, we're doing our best oh, here, God. and he makes. Should I actually apologize to the female <laughs> yeah. reporter as For well? Laughing at her yeah. And it's like it's almost like the, the hypervillain and the female reporter have become like sides yeah. now. And he's like, what do you think? Do you think we should forgive him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that that's what I love about this as well. We have it's almost like a little mini Stockholm syndrome sort of mm. thing where both Shiraishi and Yaiko are kind of like so whipped up in this madness that they're yeah. kind of going along with it in this like crazy way. <laughs> uh-huh. So then Mimu, she arrives. She comes in, immediately sees the camera, and the hypervillain runs up behind her, grabs her. Uh, Shiraishi turns all the lights on. The hypervillain's like, if you, I'll bash your brains in, mm. unless you chill out. So Mimu gets dragged over to a chair in the kitchen, uh, and Yaiko's also like holding her down as well. Mm. So she's like fully an accomplice yeah. now, just trying to calm her down. <laughs> and they go to tape her mouth up, but Mimu talks about how she's got. <laughs> Again, I, I I was like, wait, what? This this is really is, threw me off. It's it's absurd. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's so much absurdity in this. But she talks about how she has a panic disorder because her dad put her in a pro wrestling hold when she was a kid, <laughs> so she doesn't want to be taped down. I really oh, it's wait, so I was insane. like wait what I wrote in my notes like something about pro wrestling yeah. what the fuck is coming? wild and yeah the hypervillain agrees like all right okay I won't I won't tape you down yeah he he starts explaining the situation to yeah. her that he's in love with her he talks about how cute she is he tells her about how he watched her masturbating he tells her about her strong armpit body odor oh yeah oh god how awkward is this he's like this whole room stinks of your armpits. Isn't that right, Yaiko? And Yaiko's like, yeah. yeah. And then she's and like, and Shiraishi in the camera's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's true. Oh, but not only that, her earwax. He talks about her oh, earwax, yeah, yeah. right? And he talks about the difference. Like, normally earwax should be dry. Your earwax is wet and bitter. And he, he kind of, she's tied down. He goes over to her ear and scoops out. Yeah. Some of her earwax. Yeah. And he's like, look, taste it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, mm, it's bitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bitter, yeah. It's like, what the fuck? But then, and then he eats <laughs> as well. <laughs> but he turns strangely nice to her because mm. he's telling her all this information. He's like, look, you should know. You have this insanely strong body odor. Has no one ever told you that? And she's like, no. And he's like, here, use this. Mm. And he... He busts out the deodorant. Yeah. He's got like a special deodorant. Yeah. Right? And explains how to use it. And he, keeping in mind, he's there to rape her. Yeah. But, but that, he's like, use this and everything will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes this scene so like kind of disarming. Because at least for me, when I was watching, I kept forgetting that he was there to rape her. Yeah. Because he's being so kind. Yeah. And then you're like, oh no, he's a rapist lunatic yeah. it's it's such a it's, it's a mind fuck this mm. whole whole sequence mm. but he brings her over to the bed explains that it's his special 10th anniversary and Mimu kind of she's taking it quite well yeah and this is where the film starts to shift and this mm. is actually why I was like I want to do this film mm. because I think it is become something truly truly insane mm. I mean, it's already insane, but then, <laughs> but then it takes another step at yeah. this point. Yeah. So again, he gives his options to her, but 
now this there's time, four. There's four. There's four. So he's got friendly sex, mm. violent sex, rape and bash, or bash then rape. Mm. We have Friend- consentive yeah, sex friendly now. sex now. So I was watching this and I was thinking, oh, so now we have this extra option consent of sex so it wouldn't it wouldn't be a rape if she consented mm. so i was thinking so the reporters they wouldn't be uh, accomplices to a rape mm. although if, they're still broken into it's i mean it's still pretty intense but i was thinking is that how the story is gonna play out right right because mm. there's this new angle yeah. this new option that he's introduced sure. but well not Quite, in a way, but not quite. <laughs> but she chooses the first one. Yeah, she chooses number one, mm. friendly sex. And he says that he's not going to wear a condom, but she's fine about yeah. that. But she's she's more worried about um, something else. Mm. She tells him that she's a virgin. Mm. And the hypervillain is very fucking excited about this because he's a big, massive pervert. He says that it's a miracle. Mm. And that she's the woman of his dreams and he's hugging her so excited he's found the one. And then she says, please don't call me Mimu anymore. Mimu is my maid name. Mm. Uh, my real name is Mayumi uh, Tsukahashi, which is the actress's name mm. as well. <laughs> she's not in much else. I can't really find much about her. Right. She's very good in this, though. Oh, she's Excellent great. performance. Yeah, the, the hypervillain agrees. Yep, sure. I'll call you Mayumi. And then she asks for his name. And that, that struck a chord, didn't it? He was like, my heartstrings are... Yeah, yeah, it starts to get weirdly romantic yeah. from this point. So he takes off his ridiculous glasses. Yeah. And this is the first point where I'm like, oh, it's that actor. Right. Because I didn't recognize him with the glasses on. Mm. But he introduces himself. He's Shohei mm. Ino. 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 Right. Ino. His real name, is the actor's name is Shohei Uno. Right, yeah. All, all, I saw the the credits, all the cast members. Slightly, like Their character names are yeah. like... A, Mm. variation of their real names but him taking off his glasses that's the first time we see his eyes and his facial expression mm. and it like really humanizes him yes. doesn't it it's really st- god this is a fucking weird film <laughs> yeah and then they share like a really passionate kiss yeah it starts getting yeah really passionate romantic mm. hypervillain or Shohei yeah we can probably should we change how we call him now that he's taken his glasses oh, off oh yeah <laughs> so oh and then, and then the female reporter comes in. She starts narrating. She starts asking yeah. the questions, and she asks, uh, "Was it Mayumi?" She's like, "How was it? How was the kiss?" And she says, "I've never been so happy in my life." Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck is it's going on? Insane. <laughs> yeah, and her her narration. So the Yaiko's narration that she's doing. It's just. It's outrageous. Mm. Like, it's, like, extremely poetic. It's, like, things about tongues converging yes. and just really yes. over the top. Lots of armpit sniffing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shohei starts stripping her off. He's talking about how he's raped 107 women, but now he wants to e- explore the depths of Mayumi's emotions. Oh. And yeah, as you said, he's like sniffing his her armpits, and he keeps doing this. He kind of yeah. has these moments of madness where he just starts sniffing her armpits like a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you can't take it seriously. It's no, it's so, so insane. In, it's, yeah. it's nuts. It's completely crazy. And yeah, he strips her off. He's, he lays her down and then instantly goes in for the, the armpits again. Mm. And the narration is like, he's lovingly inhaling her odor. <laughs> <laughs> and 
yeah, takes her, panties off, starts finger banging her. <laughs> and then we get him holding up the wet fingers mm. to the camera like he mimed oh. before, looking absolutely delighted. <laughs> and yeah, they they start going for it. They start yes. doing it. And then Yaiko, turn, uh. like the camera goes over to Yaiko and she holds up a note to Shiraishi. Yeah. And she's like, right now we can we can do this. We yeah. can, let's kill him. Yeah. And Shohei yells at Shiraishi for slacking off. He's not filming it properly. And while that happens, Yaiko grabs his big fucking mallet hammer mm. and starts whacking yes. uh, the hyper village Shohei on the head, attacking him, going crazy. And all of a sudden, she snaps and she says to Shiraishi, she's like, keep filming, motherfucker. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, whoa, she's been really, mm. really passive this whole time. It's a big switch. Yeah. So we know that there's something else going yeah. on here, right? Yaka's smashing him over the head and she starts asking him, do you, do you remember who I am? Mm. And she reveals that she was his first victim, that <sighs> elementary school girl that he talked about. So Shohei, all beaten up and fucked up with that <laughs> hammer. He's trying to protect Mayumi, but Yaiko just keeps beating him again and again. So that's why when we you know, when we were first introduced to these characters, Shiraishi's character was saying, you love the rape cases, you're always taken on the rape mm-hmm. cases. So she's taken this job as a reporter, focusing primarily on yep. rape cases to find yes. the yeah, man yeah, yeah, who raped yeah. her when she was an uh, elementary school student, mm. which is fucking grim but an awesome twist it's a great it's a great twist but yeah Yaiko pulls him off the bed and he's like I'm not a I'm not a villain anymore (laughs) thanks to Mayumi and he's crawling around just an absolute mess I gotta say I loved the fact that he was wearing Dragon Ball Z pants (laughs) oh yeah also in this that's right because he's like pants are sort of half down yeah so he's seeing his like underwear the whole time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fucking Dragon Ball Z fans. Oh god. Yes, yeah. She's beating the shit out of him. But then he he flips the the tables and mm. he he ends up managing to overpower mm. Yaiko like suddenly. He sort of flips back into to full hyper villain mode yeah. and he attacks her, strangles her and kills her. Yeah. Kills Yaiko. Oh, this this was the point I was so frustrated with Shiraishi's character. Mm. Because not only, I mean, of course, I mean, essentially he's making a movie, but still, not only is he filming his co-worker getting strangled by this hypervillain, yeah. he walks past the mallet. Mm. He literally steps over the mallet. He could have, like, pulled the hypervillain off. He could have beat him. He could have done anything. He could have bashed him on the head. No, he just films his co-worker get fucking strangled to death. What a buffoon. What a fucking idiot. And it was at that point, I was like, come on, mate, do something. Yeah. But then he, he does pick up the hammer. Way uh, too late. Way too late. The fucking girl's dead. And, and I really wanted her to get her revenge. Yeah. Like, even though he, I mean, he's the anti-hero of this story. We've been following him this whole time. But learning the uh, female reporter's story, you want her to come up on top. You want her to win. Mm. Get her revenge. Because... She has been searching for this guy mm. her whole life, essentially. That's what I was expecting, but I kind of like that it threw that, <sighs> you know, it, it didn't work out how, how you no, expected no it to go. No, thrills here. Which is what I love about Shiraishi in his best film. Mm. You just you just don't know where the fuck he's going to take it. Yeah. 
but yeah, Shiraishi, as the, the cameraman, he, he picks up the mallet, but yeah, he's got no chance. Mayumi gets involved. She throws something at the camera, distracting uh. Shiraishi, mm. and she ends up getting the camera, and she films uh, Shohei, the hypervillain, as he murders Shiraishi, <laughs> throwing around, and then he just beats him on the head with the mallet. Fucking grim, just a grim death <laughs> for old Shiraishi. And then the hypervillain Shohei, he he grabs the camera and he's like filming the dead Yaiko and Shiraishi, and he's like, "Yep, it's all it's all over now." But, but it's not. It's not over. Mimu, Mayumi, Mimu. She's like, "No, it's not finished yet. Let's continue where we left off." So she wants to finish off her first time. After her partner has just murdered these two people. So he gets back on top. He positions the camera, gets back on top, and they fucking start banging away on the bed. And a radio, the radio behind her starts playing as well. And it's yes. just this sort of punk song playing. Yes. And the ca- the camera's like shaking as it's mm. like building up. I, I quite love that because it was almost like they were reaching climax. And she, yeah, like, as you said... Um, I think I think she knocked the radio with her hand, yeah, which, yeah. which flicked it on. And as they're getting more like intense with their, uh, it, the whole frame just starts shaking as if like an earthquake's about to mm. happen, and it kind of starts to get brighter and brighter and brighter until it explodes, yeah. and then the end credits roll. Yeah. And yeah, in those end credits, it's like as you said, like everyone is playing essentially themselves with yeah. like a slight twist on their name. And did you catch the the dedication at the end? No. So one of the last bits of text on the screen is a Shiraishi quote, and it says, dedicated to all you dirty bastards out there. <laughs> awesome. As the last quote. <laughs> so that is hypervillain. Brilliant. And I don't I don't have too much else to add mm. to the to this like the making of this film, but I guess the biggest question a lot of people have about this film is why did he make this film? Mm. Because it is truly fucking insane mm. and incredibly offensive yeah. and just, it's, it's a fucked up film. Mm. And on the Chirashi, yeah. there is a comment on, on why he made it. Right. But it's a little bit of a poetic kind of right. uh, quote, right? Okay. But, I, but I love it. Okay. So I'll, I'll just read that for you. So he says... Shiraishi says, the devil whispered to me on the Shibuya Scramble Crossing. You know, the big, that big crossing in Shibuya, which also like the fact that he mentions that was quite interesting because that's a big part of the movie Occult as well. Right. So I guess maybe when he was making that, this film came into his mind because it's the same actor as well. Mm. But anyway, the devil whispered to him when he was on the Shibuya Scramble Crossing and he whispered, make a movie about rape and murder, violence and sex, love, revenge for real, armpit odor, and miracles. This is a movie made by the devil. There is no need for remorse. This is divine punishment. <laughs> so that's his apparent reason for making right. this film. Okay. The devil told him to Try do to it. find logic in that. But okay. Yeah. yeah. So, man, this is one of the craziest films i've mm. seen in quite some time and yep. definitely a standout in his career of yeah. being an incredibly wild ride and mm. amazingly obnoxious movie it was great i really yeah, it is, I, I really enjoyed it 
It is a truly excellent film. Horrendous. Yeah. And despicable. Yeah. But it was so much fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And it completely held my attention the entire way through. Yeah. I love the switches through the narrative as well as the switches through the different characters. He, despite being the... You know, he pretty he he held every scene. Yeah, he's pretty much just talking nonstop through every scene. Mm. Even when he's interacting with other characters, it's pretty much just him mm. talking relentlessly. Yeah, and he sparked so much fear and uncertainty with that character mm. that he was such a joy to watch, despite being such an abhorrent character. Yeah, he he's really good in this film he's a great actor he's mm. fantastic yeah I, I yeah i really really like this film a lot and i i think just the key thing for me is i genuinely don't agree with a lot of the reviews of this film that are, are just paint painting this as a, this bleak depressing dark film and it is a reprehensible film but you have i i think i think it has to be seen to understand the mm. kind of lunacy and humor that this, it's this film has. Yeah. It's a fucking absurd it's film. Absurd, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, thank you, Jake, for introducing us to well this Well done, film. Jake. Oh, and one of the things that I also noticed whilst uh, watching the credits, so the the, the theme song, mm. the end, the song that uh, plays throughout the end credits that the two are fucking through, uh, a band called King Brothers. I, oh, was that King Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> I went drinking with the drama of King Brothers not too long ago, and yeah, they played quite, quite, quite a lot around. Osaka. They, they're in the soccer band, right? I don't know where they originate from, but mm. I know at least the drummer is living here. And yeah, yeah, we had, I, a, we had a drink quite not too long ago, and then I saw them after that. I got invited out by one of them, but I didn't really know right. who they were. Like the I was at, I was at Hard Rain mm. in Umeda after mm. a show, and this guy was doing a classic kind of rambling in right in english to me okay and invited me out for a drink and he's like i'm in a band king brothers oh so that, that's why what did he look like him. he was like bleached blonde hair oh yeah is that the guy yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was a pretty he was a pretty fun fun he's, he's guy, a good yeah. dude he loves horror movies as well oh man we so, should talk to him about this film. Yeah, yeah because i i mean obviously time timeline wise i met him before i watched this movie so next time i see him i'm gonna be like hey yeah, this yeah, fucking yeah. movie yeah <laughs> but he's like he's um very knowledgeable on horror movies mm-hmm. so we talked a lot of shit when we were when oh, nice. drinking yeah um so that was just a nice little a nice mm. little thing to see on the end credits the the only thing that i feel like suffered in this movie was the complete lack of blood. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I, I really felt that both times I watched it, where I know this was made for almost nothing, yeah. and I know it's, like, mostly one-take kind of stuff, mm. like longer shots, but I do wish they at least just put a little bit of blood mm. on, uh, you know, Shiraishi after he's been hammered is just completely devoid of, of any it. blood at all, That's yeah. It. I mean... You don't need to go, like, full-on prosthetics and everything, but even just, like, in-between blows, just, like, just a bit of blood on the face yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah Because he's carrying around a fucking mallet, mm. and you bash someone in the head once with mm. that, and they're dead. Mm-mm. But it was, like, multiple bashes in the head again and again and again with 
zero wounds, zero blood, zero nothing. So that really took away from the mm. realness. Yeah, yeah. If, if you will, I I think it's mostly in that last scene. Like, uh, I think yeah, yes, in the yes, first it scene, it doesn't matter because it's sort of off screen. No, it, but it is in that last scene. Yeah. If there was just a bit of blood, it doesn't need to be a lot. If there was mm. some blood in that last scene, it would have amped up the mm. insanity of this film tenfold. Yeah. yeah, I I definitely agree with that. That's my my biggest mm. criticism of the film. But what I love about this film, though, is just the tonal shifts Mm. that it makes and like i said i decided to do it from that last scene because the fact that this film starts Mm. as a found footage film of this like fucked up rapist it's like extremely horrible at that beginning and then it becomes this kind of hysterical romantic story of these two Mm. characters what a fucking piece of mania like this is like just the where it where he takes us at the end Mm. is truly truly Mm. truly insane it's a bit of a throwback to uh don't stop my crazy love for you yeah it kind of is (laughs) an interesting double bill with that film oh god that'd be that'd be a rough one how much do you want to watch people getting raped falling in love with their rapists oh god (laughs) well how about the wrongometer for this film. So how mm. wrong the film is, how fucked up it is, how much it shouldn't exist. Mm. I feel that this one ranks pretty highly. It's not low. Do you do you have a number in mind? I'm I'm thinking around a seven. Oh really? Yeah. Well I'm going higher than that. I'm okay. gonna go for a nine. Okay. On this one. I think nice. it's one of the more deranged films I've seen in quite some yeah, time. Narratively, it's completely fucked, yeah. And can you imagine showing this to just someone with a fairly normal film diet? <laughs> like, no. can you imagine the reaction you would get? You would lose it's You would lose friends over this film. you can put on willy-nilly. Yeah. No, you, you need to be certain of the people yeah. you're sitting down to watch this with. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd want to watch this with, a, with friends. I'd be very uncomfortable, I mm. think. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I, I had a great time with this film, which sounds mm. terrible. But <laughs> I really enjoyed well, it. Well, it's it's hard because like on paper it, it just sounds bleak beyond belief, mm. but it but it is it is oddly engaging I, and I think, yeah. I mean I agree with what you said. Um not that I've read the reviews, but you can't go into this or take this as a very bleak a uh, like a rape movie because it, it's even though that you're following this guy who is a rapist, it's just a ridiculous, almost, almost in the same vein as those like ridiculous rape man movies. Mm, you know, mm. rape man. No one is taking those seriously. Mm. It's a man who what tries to um, moralize yeah. immoral <laughs> women by raping them. Mm. It's it's so ridiculous that you can't take it serious. And this is mm. kind of in that same vein. It's just too stupid but it is fucking great i had a, I had a great time and i think if you can laugh your way through such um a, a disturbing movie if your sense of humor is dark enough then you can definitely enjoy this movie mm. and probably appreciate it for more than just a, a rape movie i think if you're not familiar or you've not watched a lot of disturbing movies it, you would find it difficult to kind of separate mm. the acts of rape and the humor. You just know you, all you're seeing is the rape. Yeah, yeah. And there is no way that you can laugh through a rape scene. Mm. 
as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a truly baffling film. I, I really can't believe that this exists. Mm. Great. Well, I, I really want to watch more of his stuff now. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to go it's, back through he, his catalog. He is amazing. Yeah. And I, I would love to do that mini episode on uh, on that film series as mm. well so we should talk about that at some point yeah how about next time what are we doing oh next time god you know what i have been on the fence so much like two connected movies two movies starring the same actress who i have been for lack of better term rabbit holing recently <laughs> Right. It's a terrible time. That sounds terrible. Been rabbit holing. Rabbit hole in her. And although one is probably more suitable for this podcast, I might save that for a later date. And next time I'm gonna do one that has been once again making the rounds recently, and that is Fatal Termination. Featuring an all-star cast. All-star. Yeah. cast of Hong Kong actors and quite possibly the most irresponsible act of child endangerment ever committed to film. Sounds great. <laughs> Fucking is. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm not going to say too much, but actually has a strange connection to a movie that we uh, covered previously. Okay. Yeah. That's very exciting. I've been wanting to watch that one, so... I'm down. I'm good to go. Prepare to <laughs> endanger your kids. Here we go. Fatal, fatal termination, lads. Oh, wow. And as always, you can find us on Twitter, although we're thinking about deleting it. Oh, yeah. But for the moment, we're on Twitter at SMSW Podcast. And like Jake, you could send us an email. I think you should. Show me something wrong at gmail.com. You don't have to recommend a movie. You can just send us an email saying how much you love us. Huh. Or you could finally send those bowl pictures, the bowl pics. Bowl, bowl pics? Bowl, bowl pics. Night Evil Soul, go back to that episode to find out what that means. Just trying to get people to go back and listen to that one. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing the episode. Yeah, we got, we got to push that one more, yeah, I think. It's a good episode. Curse of the Cat Lake or whatever. <laughs> I feel like there's also a lot of... Uh, you know, show me something wrong. What would you say? Like things that we say a lot, mm. repeat tropes of the show. <laughs> but I feel like that that one we talk about hunk of the village and all that. So oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're things that we're going to reference a lot mm. in the in future. Episodes. Oh my god, there's a few hunks of the village in the next episode. Don't get me wrong. So if you want to understand the next episode, go back and listen to Ninety or Soul. Yep. Yep. Well, the end of this episode is just promoting an old episode. Get involved. <laughs> <laughs>